the same old tune, fiddle and guitar. Where do we take it from here? Rhinestone suits and new shiny cars. It's been the same way for years. We need to change. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 81. This episode of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, the premier ag tire and wheel source in North America. See why at DawsonTire.com. Dawson Tire and Wheel, get a grip. Eric McPherson is my guest today. He is the CEO and owner of Dawson Tire and Wheel, and uh, he lives in Gothenburg, Nebraska, and that's where their headquarters, right? That would be your headquarters of that there, Eric? That's right, Casey. Okay, so Eric... I approached Eric uh, a while back about coming on and being a sponsor for the podcast, and he was kind enough to to say yes to that. So, Eric, uh, welcome to the show, and and thanks for being a sponsor for this podcast. Well, thank you, Casey, for inviting me along. It's exciting to be part of what you're doing and part of agriculture. I just think it's really cool to be able to participate in in what's going on in agriculture today. Well, good, man. Glad you're part of it. So let's talk about just Dawson Tire and, and, and how you guys got started and how you started doing what you're doing and, and a little bit of, of your history. Well, thanks, Casey. Um, actually, it's 20 years in May. Started Dawson Tire and Wheel. Started it as a local tire and repair shop. Um, grew up on a farm and with cows and tractors and got married in 1996 and realized pretty quick that it was going to be really tough making a living at nine bucks an hour. So I thought we better try and do something different and had a kid, had a kid on the way and the tire business actually got closed down in Gothenburg by the IRS that the guy was uh, taking the uh, withholding taxes out of his health check and, but he wasn't sending it to the government and they didn't think too highly of that. So they came in and, closed it down and um, on a bit of a whim just asked the guy that was owning the business before it was selling it to this guy and um, he said he'd sell it to us so I didn't know much about business Casey I I knew a fair bit about cattle and a little bit about corn farming and I um, worked for a veterinarian for a couple of years but didn't know anything about business in fact I didn't even know what an accounts receivable ledger was so my wife helped me with that, and we just bought this tire business and hung a shingle out, um, and it's been a, it's been a ride ever since. Like I said, started in May of '98, so 20 years ago, right and well, you about 2003, we outgrew a little 30 by 50 building we bought. So we we outgrew that pretty quick in 2003. We decided to build another building that was a little bit bigger and started hiring some really good people and I realized pretty quickly that if, if people were going to grow up in a small town and have the rural quality of life that, that we actually have out here and and still get a decent living that we were going to have to grow our business and that's when we started just trying to really focus started focusing on ag tire on irrigation tires and wheels selling irrigation tires and wheels through Kansas and Colorado and down into the Texas Panhandle. And that grew pretty quickly through those years. And 
then some of our equipment dealers started that were buying irrigation tires started saying, well, can you get this tractor tire, combine tire and wheel and just saw a bit of opportunity. So 2012 decided to get out of the retail world, car tires and alignments and truck tires and all that stuff and focus completely on agriculture. And it's been a good decision because it's a big market um, and there's a lot to know. And as you and I both know, the, the more you specialize, the more you focus on something, the better you get at it. You started out now, now you've, I've been to Gothenburg a few times and in, in your, your facility, I've, I've been by your facility a few times and, and it's a, it's a very nice place. What's, what I find to be most impressive is over there by the road tracks where you have your yard where you keep all your tires and wheels at. You have uh, you have quite the selection, man. There's there's no uh, there's no lack of selection that you have there at uh, at Gothenburg. No, that well, as you know, um, timeliness and having product when people need it in agriculture is pretty important. So we we try to make sure we have what people need. The, we sell a lot of wheels too, um, and we we aren't brand specific. A lot of your typical tire businesses in in the past in in rural America have been branded. They're either Firestone or Goodyear or Armstrong back in the day, whatever. But a lot of times our customers need something specific. They're trying to match a brand that they've already got on their machine, or or they they've got a special application issue that. Maybe Alliance builds the best tire for it or Michelin. So we, 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 we are brand specific. We try to stock it all, which doesn't help our inventory levels, but it, it, we try to keep in stock what people need when they need it. The other thing is we, we probably have a wheel for every piece of John Deere equipment that was ever made. It seems like, so there's a lot of yellow paint back there and silver paint and, a few other colors of paint too. Yeah. So geographically, let's talk about that for a minute. So it wasn't until I really started working with you guys, um, you know, four or five years ago, that I that I realized geographically the area that you cover. So you're pretty much in all 48 of the of the contiguous United States right now. So I mean, you just opened up a new uh, location up in Michigan, and That's right. uh, you have a place in Canada as well, don't you? Yep. Yeah, we've got a full distribution location now in, in Holly, Michigan, which is about 40 or 50 miles north of Detroit. Um, really good area. A lot of agriculture there, a lot of a lot of profitable agriculture out there. Um, so we're running a service truck there, and, and we've got a mounting facility and distribution like we have in Gothenburg. And then we've got a inventory location in Rosetown, Saskatchewan. So we try to pick up some of the Saskatchewan and Alberta marketplace there, completely different farming practices to what we're used to out here in the West. And then we, um, we've also got a service truck and some inventory in Harristown, Illinois, which is a, basically a suburb of Decatur, Illinois. Okay. So really trying to focus, really trying to grow our service business. Um, seems like the service truck in, is, is really dying in rural America. A, a lot of places that are deciding to get out of it, hard to get help, hard to hard to stock the inventory. The, the co-ops are getting bought out by big investment firms and they look at the inventory levels and the inventory turns and they say, 
this stuff doesn't make sense. So people are exiting the business, but we're really committed to bringing a level of service to farmers and equipment dealers in the rural areas. So grow on the service truck business side of it for sure. Yep. So let's talk about your business for a second now. So if you take a look at your business right now and you're, and you're looking across the landscape of all the things that you do, what do you, what do you think your biggest niche is in, in the tire business right now? Good question, Casey. Your biggest niche in the tire business is, is still the ag equipment dealer and the farmer that's trying to refit a piece of equipment to match his um, crop practices or what he does. So 75 to 80% of what we do is guy's got a combine and he bought it off of a, off the internet in Florida and it's got super wide singles on it and, and he, he needs to row crop it. So we're, we're taking that stuff off. We trade it in and sell him everything he needs, the drive shaft extensions, the axle extensions, the tires and wheels, and he goes and bolts on what he needs. Um, tractors that are coming out of Minnesota that are set up for vegetable farming coming into the row crop or vice versa. That's the bulk of what we do every day. We've got 12 guys on the phone now that that's, that's what they do all day long. And that, that's one of the biggest things that you mentioned right there. One of the biggest things I like about working with you guys is, is that you do take in the trades and that, and that you do have a, a good selection of, of good used tires out there to, for, uh, for people to pick from. So a guy like me, who's a used equipment guy, um, on a used tractor, the first thing I'm going to try to find is, is a good used uh, product to put on there, um, and and you guys have that. So talk about that a little bit. And talk about how that how that resource is working for you. Yeah, um, depending on who you ask in our company, it's either too much or too little used inventory. But that sounds the same probably... with tractors, man. That's, that's about the same. And, and we always have lots of stuff. And yeah, I looked the other day and we're pushing $4 million worth of used tires and wheels right now. Yeah. Um, we try to keep it decent. Um, we try not to trade for 20 or 30% tread stuff, but mm-hmm. we just, we try to keep the packages together and have, have what people need. Um, there's a lot of your local or regional businesses. They don't understand what to do with, you know, we get a lot of rice and cane tread stuff traded in from, you know, the South and Southeast and knowing what to do with that and where to go with it. So a lot of stuff in any brand. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. I mean, I, if I got a tire uh, or a tractor with you know, Goodyear tires or Michelin tires or Firestones or whatever it might be, if I need one, I know I can call you guys and you're going to have, you're gonna have something that'll that'll work for what we're what we're working there and the application that we're putting it in. So, so now let's talk about that a little bit. So you lower lower forty eight states and up into Canada now. I mean, you've got you've got a pretty good coverage area. So, is there anywhere in the U.S. that you don't have some some coverage right now? Um, no, of course. With with the freight system in America, you can ship anywhere, Casey. Um, there are some pockets of the country that are really really specialized. I would say that the California vegetable farming will touch a lot because it's it's really, really specific and special to, to that area, the vineyards and pistachio farms, things like that. But other than that, we're, we understand what's needed, whether it's cotton farming in Georgia or potatoes in 
Idaho or peanuts in Texas sugar sand. We we seem to have run across it. Um, do a lot of specialty stuff too. We had a customer come to us a little while ago that was trying to get some tractors sh- short enough to get into some um, poultry barns. And, and we found that application worked in the orchards too, where the equipment manufacturers aren't, aren't building or aren't offering a tire and wheel package to get a tractor short enough to get into a poultry barn. So come up with a package of tires and wheels for the back and front, trying to keep our, you know, the gear ratios right and, and make those tractors work for a customer's application. We just, we do a lot of it and pretty successful at it. So, yeah, I see a lot of that stuff that you, that you guys post on your uh, social media sites. Jennifer does a great job of getting that stuff out there and, and, and being very creative with what she posts. And a lot of it is just, you know, in the equipment dealer world, we're just helping guys sell equipment, just trying to get them to, they've got customers that want specific things. So we're just trying to make it easy for them to get that piece of equipment sold and get it into the farmer's hands and get what he needs on it. Yep. Nope. That's the, that's the most important part is making sure that they, they've got what they need to get out in the field and work and, and, and bring that in. So let's, uh, let's bounce over here to a little bit on the irrigation side. So, It's kind of how you cut your teeth. It's how you got started in this business. How's that business working for you now? And how how has that evolution of that of that uh, system changed over the years? Yeah, well, as you know, the water situation, and you know, we really focused on the Texas Panhandle to Western Kansas and Nebraska, and the the shortage of water and all the water situations have have definitely changed our business over the years. There's a, there was a lot more pivots running and putting on a lot more water when I started than, than there is today. But it's, it's still a very economic business, a very price-driven business. We brought some new products to the marketplace. One of the things we realized three or four years ago was every farmer understands radial technology on his tractors and combines. Well, why, why don't they use radial technology in their pivots? Um, really only three things that ever go wrong with a pivot tire. It goes flat, it leaves tracks, and it, and it gets stuck. And if you can help solve some of those problems, that's that's what we've worked at. Um, brought some products to the market, the Rhinogator, poly tires that don't get flat, but sometimes they leave more ruts than they should because they don't have any um, flexibility. So when we thought about the radials we we really tested that for a couple of years and tried to get the price point right so that guys could buy them at maybe 15 to 20 percent more than what they were used to pay in the bias world but um not three times what they were paying in the bias world and the pivot tire industry is pretty interesting it's it's definitely a need kind of hard to make pivot tires cool and make guys just want to go out and buy pivot tires, you know, nobody wants to do that. Ag tires have changed quite a bit over the years. You know, we went from the bias phase into the radial phase and, and now there's a lot of new technology out there on, on tires, whether you're looking at, you know, car tires or, or ag tires. I mean, there's just so much new technology that's come through there. So one of them that, that really sparked my interest when you and I were first talking was a tire that you could either inflate to a 710 size or 520 size, depending on, 
on your situation and what you're doing. So talk a little bit about tire technology and talk a little bit about, about that situation there. No, that's good, Casey. Um, well, as we know, the ag equipment has gotten bigger and faster. And that's just one thing you could write over equipment in the last 20 years, 30 years that I've, I've been dealing with it when I, I kind of chuckle because when I started in this business, a big tire was a 28L26 on the front of a combine. And today that radial equivalent is what's on the back of the combine. We were, we were doing some, we were dueling up some of those new challenger 1000 series tractors that Agco builds. Um, they come out in the fence and the challenger and the, it's a front wheel assist 500 and whatever horsepower tractor. I, you've probably seen some of them out there, but the front tire on that front wheel assist tractor is the 650, 65, 38, which is the flotation size that you use on 90% of your self-propelled sprayers out there. Right. And that's, that's the front tire. And we're trying to do all that thing. So, so it just shows the size of the equipment and the, and the speed. And I think, the tire manufacturers in Europe have probably done a little better job keeping up with that than the American ones. Um, American manufacturers have been a little bit behind, but the, the challenges you run into is always how much load are you putting on it and, and how much speed and, and the technology is really starting to catch up. So they're starting to build tires that can handle the, the load of this equipment and handle the speed. Um, I was looking at a at an issue the other day on a grain cart. It's one of those twelve hundred bushel Unverfirth carts that's got the five twenty forty two walking I beam, you know, yep. tire in, tire outside. Yep. These tires were always blowing out. Well, you start to do the math on the twelve hundred bushel cart. You're at Sixty pounds a bushel of corn, right? And a tire that's rated for eleven or twelve thousand pounds. And maybe you got 10% tonally. Well, without going through the math right now, we're that at 25 mile an hour going down the road loaded, that tire is overloaded by about 40 to 50%. And, and so it just shows some of the challenges that the manufacturers have. So they've come out with IF tires, increased flexion, VF tires to, to be able to carry more weight at less PSI and, and still not have to deal with the compaction issues. That's the biggest change I've seen in the last five years. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned the tire that Michelin has premiered and, and they're not really into the marketplace a lot right now. I can't put my hands on one, but with the understanding of compaction and the issues that compaction causes and then also the, the need of a variety of widths. Michelin actually has built a tire that with an automated inflation system on the Agco machines that you go to the field, you let the pressure out, well, it's 700 millimeters wide and it's got bars that go up the sidewall. It's really cool. And so you let it out and you've got this tire that's, well, it's 20, 30, 30 inches wide pretty well. And then when you need to go down the road, you want less tire on the ground and 
less rolling resistance, so you inflate it back up through the automatic inflation system, and it becomes a 520, which is a 20-inch wide tire. Just a lot of those things that are starting to pop up. It's really cool. That That's such a game changer. You know, you, you in whatever situation, like you said, the compaction issue or if you're going up and down the highway or, you know, if it's a little muddy out or whatever it is, you can you – can, inflate that or deflate that to, to fit your scenario and that's it's a pretty big deal that air pressure is a huge deal in tires isn't it um there's so big a loads i mean there's so much difference between a a true four-wheel drive articulated four-wheel drive tractor with a draw bar pull planner versus a three-point and the differences in what those tires are asked to do um the western road crop as guys are trying to do in Saskatchewan or Alberta with pulling those huge um, air seeders and, and and yet the manufacturers are trying to build a tire that manages all those things it's just really interesting how to how to make it all work I, I think one of the futures of of the ag tire world is going to be auto inflation and the ability to control the PSI of your tires from your cab I just they're going to have to do that with the size of the equipment and and also the miles those things drive as they get out on the road. It used to be you just farm to the beast next to you. And now you know, we got customers in Gothenburg that are roading tractors 50 miles right. to farm pieces. Yep. Yeah, they, they're not, it's not very localized anymore. They're, uh, the guys that are growing are going to be generationally, you know, the next generation guy coming in, they're picking up ground where they can and that might not be right next to him, might be 100 miles away. And they don't always they don't always have a uh, tractor and a trailer to to move that thing around. So a lot of a lot of haul or a lot of roading of equipment goes anymore. So let's talk about that technology now. So now we're we're gonna road we're gonna start roading more equipment. Asphalt and tractor tires don't mix very well. They don't last a whole long very long. So what do you see in that in that realm, and how's that changing over the last couple of years? Um. Well, Europe probably developed that tire technology. Um, when you look at the tires that were designed in Europe, they've got the 45 degree sweeping bars because there's, if you think about that tire with a long sloping bar on the road, there's a lot more lugs on the road all the time as it, as it goes down the road because they were used to roading equipment and at a higher speed. A lot of those, that equipment over there is going to go 40 mile an hour. Mm-hmm. So as Michelin came to America and, some of the European molds that Firestone and Goodyear were building that was really to help compensate for that where your older long bar, short bar designs or your straighter lugs, they just don't work as well on, on, on the road. They great traction situations, great, great for in the mud or trying to pull hard, but not a, not a good tire for once you get out of the mud to go drive the 20 miles and go to the next place. So, the European, what we call the R1W designs, the 45-degree bars, have really helped change that. The other thing that changes it is, you know, your front wheel assist. That That's completely made a different need for tires. We are a little bit behind in the rubber compounds that are designed for road. I think all of the rubber compounds pretty well in America are designed for the field. And you get a dairy application or, or somebody that spends 
you know, maybe a road construction crew, tires get chewed up really fast. And out here, and I don't think we have, I have the answers for it. They've spent more time actually, Casey, trying to figure the stubble issues out than they have the road and the asphalt issues because that's been a, a bigger headache for everyone. No, yeah, stubble, stubble <laughs> check tires are awful, man. It's it's when you especially get a tire that's got eighty percent life left on it. It's just all chewed up. It's just it's a hard thing to sell to resell on that used piece. Yeah, and most of your manufacturers have pulled the stubble warranties off just because it's been such a, a nightmare. But you know, you look at the changes in the crops and the genetics over the last how many years? Yeah, and even when I was growing up on the farm, if you got a windstorm. Years ago, you'd lose sixty to seventy percent of your crop, and today it barely hurts. Yeah, it's got to be pretty violent, pretty bad stuff to to make that happen. So, if you start looking across the country, one thing that I've noticed that there's getting to be more and more acceptance of is track machines, whether it's a quad track, case quad track, or a, a John Deere nine RX, or a uh, you know, I've been starting to see sprayers that have <clears throat> track systems on them, so. You're starting to see a lot more tracks kind of pop up. So how's the track business for you guys, and, and how has that niche kind of played out for you all? Yeah, we're not – definitely we're not um, industry leaders in the track world. We, we do tracks. We sell tracks. Um, we were talking – there are areas of the country that tracks are really strong. The Pacific Northwest, we see a lot of tracks in, and there's pockets in Illinois and – Indiana, especially um, the positive side of tracks is you can really manage your traction and you can manage your compaction really well. Um, the downside of tracks is what we were talking about earlier. If you've got to road that thing for 30 or 40 miles, that track's going to get really hot. And if lots of alignment issues with tracks and um, you don't get your mid rollers set right and your alignment set right. You're going to chew them up on the road. So just we see pockets of the country that are really popular. Whether they're going to take the ag equipment industry by storm, I don't know. What do you see? What do you see on the track world? Pretty significant differential in the cost of the equipment. Absolutely, the cost is absolutely uh, uh, quite a bit more than what you'll see on a on a track machine or on a on a wheeled machine. Um, but I will say that I've noticed here of late that areas that were solely uh, wheel-only areas, they have started to adopt more and more track technology. Um, the the two-track, whether it be John Deere or uh, Challenger or whomever it is, like that, those those tractors are starting to make uh, a bigger dynamic, um, you know, footprint in, into the into the area than they were ten years ago. So. The 9RX, the John Deere 9RX that we have, I mean, it's it's a very sought-after machine. we got guys that are wanting them um, on the use side. So uh, that, I, I just think the idea of having a little more, you know, track on the ground, you know, a little more surface area that you're covering with your with your tire space, the less slippage, you know, the, and some of the compaction issues you brought up, you know, tracks are going to are gonna address a lot of that. So I don't know. It could be a fad, you know, where you're going to see that and, and it's going to fizzle off and, and go away. But I think as machinery has gotten bigger, the track machine's gotten a lot more, um, a lot more accepted and a lot more kind of sought after. It looks like 
I think it's maybe Susie that's come out with a high speed track for combines too, the track assembly just last year. So mm -hmm. again, as they start to take away some of the disadvantages, um, you can get a combine running down the road at 20 mile an hour, which you could never do with a track assembly before. Um, we did see a lot of that. You can get a, you get a really, really wet harvest in the yeah. Dakotas, in the Southeast, and everybody's looking for a pair of track assemblies and, 75,000, I, I'm a I'm a fan of tracks. I'm a track guy, so I I think they're uh, I think if I had, if I farmed everything I had would be on tracks. To be quite honest with you, but they're uh, it's just uh, the dynamics that that brings, and it's kind of a game changer when it comes to nasty inclement weather. So it all comes. It's a, it's a little more specialized equipment to change them, and when you go retrack your your tractor, or your combine, you're gonna get a little bit of sticker shock. Mm -hmm. As opposed to buying a couple 480 ADR 50s, so well, compare that real quick. So if you had a if you had an articulated four wheel drive and you had eight seven tens all the way around it, how's that compared to a set of tracks? Yeah, good question. I haven't um, haven't done a recent pricing exercise on the yeah. on the articulated four wheel drive. So yeah, so I, I bet you'd be pretty close. To, you know. Tracks are fifteen thousand bucks a track usually on those bigger ones like that. So you're going to be twenty five, thirty thousand bucks, and each one of those seven tens are probably twenty five. Yeah, depending on what you get. So yeah. you're you're right there. So it's uh, and I just now noticed that this year where that that differentiation between the track and the tire really kind of come a lot closer. And to that point, like there's a big tire um, price increase at, uh, at the beginning of the year. So that had a lot to do with that. Well, Eric, we've been going for a little while here, man, and I want to I want to thank you for for being my inaugural sponsor for the Moving Iron Podcast. And you know, guys, doing stuff like this is going to help this thing grow, and I'm and I'm uh, really looking forward to that. So, Eric, uh, I'd like to thank you for all you've done, and and thank you for being on the show. No, thanks, Casey, for inviting me, and looking forward to being a part of this from time to time as we go forward. Pretty cool what you're doing. Well, thanks, I appreciate that. For more information about Dawson Tire, go to DawsonTire.com. And remember, they are the premier ag-focused tire and wheel source in North America. So, Dawson Tire and Wheel, get a grip. Eric, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Casey. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Eric for being a guest on this episode. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Make sure you visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find After the Bell with Chip Nellinger and Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron LLC has a website you can visit, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information for the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from Moving Iron Blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron.
This is Casey Seymour. Out. Hard work.